This is... Wow! What a week. What a week. Politrix. Welcome back to Hashtag Politrix with Botsang Muilwa. Uh, a lounge session with some young people. So we spend the Politrix feature discussing the tactics and antics of political types. However, that doesn't mean we like to act like politicians. What I mean by that is we're not rich. Unlike politicians also, we don't ignore your comments and requests. One of the most common appeals is for, to put it plainly, more Botsang. So giving you what you asked for, here's a special edition of Politrix with Botsang Wilwa and a few others he brought along. Welcome to the living room session. Uh, 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 thank you, thank you, Brother Fresh. Uh, they are indeed a different uh, uh, setup and different session. We have responded to the calls, but we just do it differently. Yes, sir. And I have said to the people, instead of us sitting with politicians like all other media platforms do, let's have it differently. Mm-hmm. Let's have youngsters. Sure. Let's have ordinary South Africans from different backgrounds to come and discuss the politics of this country with us. Sure. From an ordinary South African that is being affected by the decisions, behavior, and conduct mm. of political office bearers. Absolutely. So our guests here today, the sitting of the panel is here to come and discuss the politics of this week with us. Now, he said ordinary uh, citizens, but by no means boring. In fact, they're extraordinary. Um, we're going to start with you, Theo Chauke. You are 23 years old. Yes, uh, my name is Theo. Yes. Uh, 23 years old, of course. You are repeating everything I've said about you. <laughs> no, just, just to confirm, it could be wrong. It could be wrong. Uh, quick Theo 101, who are you, where are you from? Uh, I'm Theo, I'm a law student. Sure. Pretoria, born and raised. Mm. Love everything about my city. And yeah, I'm just here to talk about my feelings within the political season. Jeweria Kaldin. That's me, Fresh. You're 31. 31. Four more years and then you're one of us. You're not youth anymore. Then I'm not no longer youth. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us about yourself quickly. I'm from El Dorado Park. I'm from a marginalized community. Yes, and, um, you, and you guys have been crying about this for years. Yeah, for, for many. I think over 25 years yes. we've been crying to be noticed and to be seen in this country. Sure. I am from one of the poorest communities in this country. Mm. And so what do you do? I am a ward counsellor okay. in the city of Joburg. Okay. What? Do you guys make a lot of money as ward counsellors? Not really. What kind of person oh, typically? No, not really. I'm not going to say yeah. you make a lot of money because um, I'm a ward counsellor that shares with my community. Oh, yes. In Africa, in Jawan, in Jao. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, very interesting uh, uh, when, when, when uh, Kaldin or Miss Kaldin says, uh, the marginalized, at least for the last 25 years, it becomes interesting to me, what about before the 25 years? Because I'll tell you why I'm asking that question. Mm-hmm. During the apartheid era, and we are now talking 29 years or plus, almost 30 years into democracy or the new dawn democracy. But even before that, there was always an outcry from the South African nation, as much as it was racialized, that the so-called colored community was also marginalized even during that time even when the apartheid regime had, you know, a segment of saying whites and then the Indian community and the colored were seen as the third, you know, nation. But I want you to come to that. What was the situation before? And that makes you say for the last 25 years. So if, if I have to respond on that, I'm talking about my age. I'm only 31 years, so I can't really speak on 
things that happened sure. before my time. I'm going to be sitting here and lying like politicians in this country lie. Okay. So I cannot talk about apartheid time. I was not here. Okay, and it's limited to age, which is good for the family that you've been with. Yeah. But uh, in, your, in your experience, you are from the capital, you are from Swani. Yes. And I think you had said earlier before the show, you, you grew up in social movie. Yes. Do you share the same opinion that the so-called, and I'm using the word so-called because I don't regard people as black Indians and colors. Yes. Mm. So-called colored people were marginalized after 1984. Is there a difference between yourself having a grown up in social movie yes. and a, a child or a girl or a boy that grew up in what is the township in Swani Esteris, for example? Esteris, yeah. Yeah, so what's your view on that? Um, to be honest with you, there isn't a difference, but I would say the difference is perspective. Mm. Where you're coming from, uh, the, out, the, the, the outbringing that you had. Um, I think for me, as a black child from Soshanguve, you know, there's a certain perspective I had. Sure. But if I had to cross over to the Eldorado Park or Esteris, mm. that different child who was maybe the same age as me has a different perspective to me. Sure. So I believe with your question to answer it, um, I don't believe there is a a marginalized people to sense that we have to uh, separate them. I feel like all people are marginalized, but it depends on the different perspective in which you come from. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, there's the general feel that the young people are not interested in politics, yeah. that your average young person is not politicized, or, or they don't even care. Yeah. Uh, Botswana, for instance, when he was 16, he left the country <laughs> to go train to be an upla, um guerrilla or freedom fighter. A soldier. Uh, a soldier, yeah. yes. Uh, that's what, at, at age 16, at what age did you start being politically aware? Um, and, that's, and that's not a play, a play on aware. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say about six, seven years ago. Okay. Um, so you're like 25 at the time? Yeah. Okay. I was about tw 24, 25. So what happened at that point? I met the Patriotic Alliance. Okay. I met a political party that just speaks what they want to. If the sky is blue, mm. the sky is blue. There's sure. no way mm. you can convince Gayton McKenzie otherwise. Sure. If Gayton McKenzie feels mm. that a zebra has black lines and not white lines. Or a green line. Or a green line. <laughs> then it's like that. Sure. And we need politicians like that in this country. Mm. We need politicians in this country that's not going to shy away from corruption. Mm. Politicians in this country that's going to say a thing like it is. And not hide corruption and keep people accountable. So when I met the Patriotic Alliance, that's when I had an interest in politics. Because it's the only political party in this country that has a range mm. of, of nations. We've got, they've got black, they've got white, they've got Indian, they've got colored. Mm. They have made it possible to unite this country with all races. Mm. When uh, uh, thank you. Going back, going back to that question before you come in, Theo, to the same question that Trish had asked, I want you to take me through to when you say you only started being active and politically aware at 25, which is like uh, seven, six, seven years back, what had happened before that kept you out? And you mentioned something very strongly and seriously to say uh, the party that gave you an awakening, the Patriotic Alliance, is the only party that accommodates all political parties. Other political parties that are older, you probably wouldn't know, but they will have that argument. For example, uh, the ANC always talk about the broad church. They have all sorts of leaders from its inception. They had the Indian community as its leaders. 
the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania and ASAPO had Indian leaders in them. The Secretary General, actually, of the PAC going through 1994 was the former uh, Benny Alexander Quisan X. So what do you say about that? I know that it's history that I'm telling you before, but after 94, or when you were eligible to can vote and achieve after the age of 16, what kept you backwards before the PA? Okay, what kept me backwards is that there was nothing for colored children. And not only colored children, black children are also marginalized. If you look at Clip Town, which is part of Ward 17 in Aldraro Park, it has been a mess for the longest of time. Sure. People are still using the bucket toilet system in mm. Clip Town. Mm. So black people in this country is also marginalized. Why I'm saying the Patriotic Alliance? Mm. Because the Patriotic Alliance has made it possible for colored people and colored youth to sit in government. I am 31 years old. I am a ward councillor in Aldraro Park. I am too a Section 79 chairperson for development planning. Which other political party was going to give me that opportunity mm -hmm. to sit in government and to sit at tables to make decisions with other races? That is why I'm saying the Patriotic Alliance. So before you hit the age of 25 and you met the PA, had you voted? Yes, I have. You had voted, had voted prior. The reason I'm asking you that is because Theo is two elections in, but you didn't vote the first time you were eligible. Yes, that's correct. Um, when did you become conscientized politically? Um, to be honest with you, I would say probably the last five years. Sure. What's happened the past five years, I'll say maybe let's say from 2020. Mm. Um, the actions of what happened in COVID, to see how government was still able to marginalize people, even within the you know, in the need, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, the government failed, still failed to support its own people, even when life was on the line, mm -hmm. you know, literally. And I, I became politically involved this time around because I realized my voice matters. Sure. I am 23 years old. I can't wait for till I get to 30, excuse me, but I can't get wait to that long. I have to make my voice matter now mm -hmm. because issues are happening now. Not in five years' time. In, in, interestingly, and this is, this is what is interesting to me, is that you were not influenced by activities at varsity, the yeah. student, you know, organization student movement. It's a conscientized decision to say the government is failing me. Did you regret that you could have used your voice when you missed the first elections? Because you are a first-time voter, yes. according to yourself. Yes. Did, are you regretting that you should have used your voice that time? But I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you are mentioning that the failures of government... Yeah or inability for the government to take care of its citizens. And that's what we want to hear fresh, you know, why youth are mourning and complaining. And that's a very, you know, uh, uh, why eyes were open to say, the government has been, you're not talking about politics, you're not talking about, what do they call the NEFSAS fee? Talking about something that affected all of us, mm -hmm. you know, as a nation. Mm -hmm. So are you crying for your lost vote, or are you saying that was not the time, the time is now, and how are you intending now to raise your voice, despite voting? Do you have any other avenues? Can I call your uncle? <laughs> so okay. Respectfully, so okay. Uncle, I think it, it, it starts it starts with this. As long as you don't say quote man. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that's why I said uncle. Uh no, but to be honest with you, why I do regret not voting for the first time when I had the opportunity. Mm. Because at that time I think youth got in the way. You know, I was a first time out of varsity uh first time in varsity, you know, you have all this expectations you see all these new things that you didn't see in high school but then as you are in varsity you become an adult you start growing you're no longer that little boy a little girl in a high school where you're 
hoping and dreaming to get to your favorite uh, course that you want to do. Now sure. you're realizing the realities of life, mm. the strikes that are happening. Currently, there's a strike going on at UP. Currently, right now, going be uh, between the the workers and the how and what's happening with their wages. Sure. So for me, you can't ignore that. Mm. You can't ignore that. You can't put that off anymore. And at my age, I believe it's high time that I can use my voice because I'm at an age when I've seen. Not a lot, not a lot, but enough to know that there has to be a change. Sure. Yeah. Now, there, there, there's often the debate about the nostalgia of June 16. Yes. And the events of June 16, where you hear a lot of people say to the older generation, you guys keep talking about June 16, which was your struggle then. We have a different struggle as young people. What would you say were your struggles as a teenager, what were your fears? What, what, what were your challenges? Like, what was your June 16 moment as a young person? My June 16 was also getting killed on the streets of El Dorado Park because yeah. that's, we're still currently facing it where our youth is killing each other yeah. because there's no skill development centers. There is no rehabilitation centers. Yeah. There's one thing we cannot do in this country, and mm. that is fight substance or drugs. Sure. Because you cannot stop people from importing drugs into South Africa. Mm. You cannot go after the dealer. You have to try and rehabilitate the substance abuser. Mm. So we don't have facilities. Like he said, and I like what he said, government has failed, and especially young people in this country, because they are not giving us tools of trade for us to become successful. Mm. Now we say to ourselves, what are we doing as young people mm. to become successful? On the streets of El Dorado Park, in the last year, we have lost 96 young people Jeez. by gang violence. In any country, any other country, just losing one kid, one kid yeah. would be a crisis. And let, let You guys have lost almost 100. Yes. And we've, we've got Palestine and Israel in yeah. El Dorado Park. Yeah. That is currently happening now in colored communities. El Dorado Park, Ripley, Westbury. That is happening now because what's the next best thing to do? To catch a corner and sell drugs. So once you have that corner, you believe it's yours, it belongs to you. So now the other gang member feels that he cannot um, now use that. So he needs to take you out of the game sure. in order for him to make money. Sure. The, well, having said that, you know, I always like to say to, to, to young people, and that's why I suggested that we should host young people who can come with fresh ideas, not fresh, this old fresh, <laughs> but fresh ideas. What is it as solutions that you may both suggest to the government to say, because we have heard government saying uh, 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 we must encourage our kids not to use drugs, we must use policing and all that. But I want to hear it from a person who has lived in the community, who has been exposed to that. What solutions would you propose to the government regarding dealing with these issues, except the common ones that we have heard before, that we know that they have all failed? We have talked about policing, we have talked about stopping drugs to come into the country and end up into the communities. But let's flip the coin and say, being from those communities, being from, you know, active politicians, what are you suggesting the government should do in, in this instance? What, what would you, if, if we give you a policy as the Minister of MEC of Police or of Social Development, what would you do to can alleviate the situation? My first step would be to remove all these old people out of, out of office. <laughs> They must have a humble. They must go. They must come out of office because, number one, the minister of this country, <laughs> is she youth? She's not youth. What does she know about young people? What does she know what young people need? What does she know 
what young people deserve. How can you as an old person go sit at the table and discuss what young people need? Put young people in those positions so that those young people can make a change in this country. We are tired of politicians that have political degrees because they've messed this country up. Rather put unskilled politicians, people that don't know nothing, people that know the ground, people that understand young people, put them in office and let us give them a chance to govern this country so that we can see the difference with young people. Uh, your, yes. Having have listened to her. Yes. And and I'll, I'll tell you, you can with your own comment, just add something to me. What about the generational mix? We know political parties are talking about generational mix. Yes. Do you want absolute young people to come in or what's your view? I mean, I was raised by my grandmother. Mm. So when when as a young show because you wanna give them that respect. But also at the same time, I think we have lost within our homes that communication to say what's your issue. Sure. From I'm talking about generations now, to say what's your issue, what's going on in their homes yeah. before we go into the political streets. In homes, we don't have the conversations, we don't have those, you know, moments where we can share our true honest opinions on a particular subject. Mm-hmm. So for me it's more of a it is a generational gap. There is a generational gap for sure. It's just now how do we how are we able to bridge that gap? How are we able to say, okay, I am 23, sure. you are 53. What can we do to balance this? How can we bridge our differences? How do we find each other? Yes. 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 Now, you guys are born eight years apart. So yes. what might have been her June 16 moment is easily different to yours. What would you say your struggles were as a 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old? I would say, honestly, mm. with what's happening... Un- Employment-wise, sure. I think youngsters are, we have dreams. Mm. We all have dreams, but we have dreams that which are sometimes unrealistic, sometimes it's fantasy to some, sure. but we really want to achieve those dreams. But when you step outside and you're not seeing funded, uh, funding, sorry, excuse me, you don't see funding for schools, for mm. bursaries, uh, kids who are talented, who finish university, unable to get jobs, unable to get opportunities to showcase their skills that they have learned. Mm. So it's how... For me personally, my June 16 is every day. Sure. Uh, 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 are, you, are you done or are you still talking? No, I was just saying my June 16 is every day because of the challenges that I go through each and every single day and not being able to have a conversation with someone who can help me mm. and to say government official or minister or whoever help me of my problems and not just me because I'm, from, I'm fortunately from a good background. Sure. But I'm talking about the people in the home, homes, homelessness and who just don't have that ability to talk to someone. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. So, a social question kind of a situation. But yes. you spoke about funding. Yes. Funding vis-a-vis free education. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this yes. question. I always said the money that the government is using or spending on, uh, uh, what do you call it, on this NEFSAS administration of the funding scheme. Yes. If, it, if you look at the salary of the CEO, the board... The, the offices, the whole entire value chain of running NEFSAS, would it, it be better to take that money? And I've done a calculation to say it can actually uh, alleviate in, 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 in education funding. Yes. Would you prefer this continual bazaaris and funding or a free education system equal to everybody in their country? Uh, uh, you know, to can alleviate the situation for those who are, you know, less advantaged, as you said, to benefit? I have two answers. So there's the student answer. Yes, of course I would want. And the political answer? No, 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 no. <laughs> Economical one, because who's okay. going to pay for those? Okay. You know, I look at my parents, I look at my 
elders around people, you guys as well, my frontmans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hear all this free, 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 but mm. nothing is free. Sure. Nothing is free. And someone has to be connected. Yeah, every, every, everyone has to contribute. Sure. And it's a matter of how can we contribute together into something that will benefit all of us. In fact, I was going to say, how do we bridge the difference between what a lot of young people might feel entitled to yes. versus at some stage you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and get to a certain point? Maybe from that point, then government or the system can assist you. And that to a certain level, there's almost a dependence on the system and grants that is being cultivated in our society. That some people now just feel entitled. I feel entitled to this, I feel entitled to that, but am I willing to work for it? Now, even people saying the youth are lazy. We don't have an unemployment problem, we have a productivity problem. Yeah. That uh, if it was in any other nation, uh, the, you know, half the people who call unemployed would actually be hustling or selling stuff or doing something else. Yeah. What do you say to people who argue all of that? And then I also disagree with that because if you look at um, not so long ago, the premier, Rusufi yes. launched a, is it the Green Army? Yeah. Abapanyas. Abapanyas. Yes. He launched that. Uh-huh. The youth is not lazy. Sure. He launched it. For four months, people have not been paid. For four months, people have not been paid. Mm. So you are now causing youth to become despondent. Sure. They are taking people from areas like Cliptown, Freedom Park, Lehigh, and they are taking them to Kimberley. The bus came five o'clock in the morning. They waited in the CBD until 1 p.m. without having breakfast, without having lunch, and they've taken that youth to Kimberley. What's going to happen to that youth? And they become do, despondent. And where so do they, they live? To so where do they live in Kimberley? They at the base, the military base. Oh, they train. Yes. That's where the training was happening. It's yes. where the training is happening. So I'm saying, what is he doing? So, so yes, the opportunities are there. They're making the opportunities available. Mm. But in the same breath, you're making it available because you want people to become despondent. So I'm saying the people in this country is not lazy. Mm. Give them proper opportunities to do the work, and they will do the work. Would you say there is a certain sense of maybe a disconnect between our politicians and even the very communities they come from in terms of how they treat them even. The fact that you'd have uh, youth being told, we're going to come and pick you up at a certain time, but you're left there for five hours and it's okay, it's normal. Most definitely. Because, because it doesn't affect me directly. Why, sh- why should I care uh, what your area goes through? Correct. So, so that's the problem with government. And it starts on a local government level. Mm. You have a ward councillor that doesn't reside in that mm. community. You have a ward councillor that doesn't live mm. as a backyard dweller. You have a ward councillor that doesn't have a flushing toilet. So you will not understand the plight of that community. And that is the problem in government. Mm. We are putting people in leadership. We are voting people in leadership that doesn't belong in those positions. But they can't people that, Yes, they mm. don't understand what communities are going through, whether it be black communities, whether it be white communities. I'm going to go back to Cliptown. Uh-huh. We're talking about councillors who don't live in Cliptown. For how many years have these people... I mean, President Nelson Mandela, may his soul rest in peace. Comes I don't think it will rest in peace. The struggle <laughs> is that, from Cliptown. Yeah. Imagine these people years later no. don't have a toilet. A Magogo that is 90 years old, that's 
children is on substance, she needs to look after the grandchildren with a pension. Mm. She needs to go to, she needs to use the bucket and she needs to go and empty that bucket in the felt. Mm. Is that what government thinks about our people? Mm. Is that what politicians think about our people? And, and let me be the devil's advocate as they call it. If we have politicians and, and what councillors and political office bearers that we, you guys, vote in place, and, and, and I will exclude the offer, but you can opinionate on that, <laughs> that we, we, we place into position and they don't live in their communities. In some instances, they start when they are voted into power to live in those communities. Don't you think there should be a rule or a position to say, if you're elected as a councillor of what 49, I don't know where's that word, the day you say you leave that world, you can't represent those people anymore. Don't you think, or oh, what solutions do you have, or do you put on the table and propose that, that we should have any answering to that? And, and for both of you, I don't want to, to, to maybe make it a male thing. There's been proposal to say, to also address the social injustices and problems in the country. We should bring back uh, the military training. I don't know what you call it. The, the military service, you know, what you see. Many countries are still practicing it. After high school, do two years of military in-service training. In, in, in fact, Musi Maimani was even saying we could have non-military conscription, where youth are forced after high school, take a year and serve your country. Yes. It could be anywhere else and be non-military, but that people must... We need to re-inculcate some sort of service to your nation. Yeah, what, what's your view with that? Charlie Fresh has even added to that. I mean, to go back to Joera's point, it comes back to a lack of representation. Mm. So you are bringing solutions to problems you don't know, mm. right? As the youth, we are, as she said, we are going through so many other things that other older people won't understand. So yes, you may want to uh, enforce uh, a military training of some sort for all the youth, mm. but does it solve the problem? Mm. You see, we always come up with solutions that doesn't answer the problem. Sure. So I don't understand why do we have to go around the bush mm. when we can just attack it straight and say, hey, these are the issues for the youth. The youth are currently struggling with X, Y, and Z. How can we solve those? Mm. Rather than coming up with solutions that satisfy other problems that may not even be a problem at that current point in time. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't even speak to the youth. And it doesn't speak to the youth as well. Um, I like what you said. When, when you are running up the campaign to the election, whether it be a by-election, local government election, you obviously have to reside in that ward. You need to live in that ward. You need to be from that ward. So what happens is we get so addicted to the money that we're getting paid as public servants or public officials, we now feel that we can no longer live in the community where the, the, the actual community that voted us in there should be a law that says you are not allowed to leave that community or mm. there will be a by-election. And I think that should be implemented in order for councillors to remain as humble as they were when they sure. were doing door-to-door and campaigning, asking for people to vote for them. That law should come across so that they don't move out of the world that they're living in. So just to add fresh all. If they move out because you can't force people not to grow or not to change residence, or if they move out, they should be able to say the law that says you vacate that seat or the party that had occupied that seat or by elections come. As, yes. as, because if you are going to force a person, so maybe they are moving for various other reasons, maybe career change 
or, or maybe the kids are moving, or maybe prefers a different location, but... I'm, no, but you can't say career change because you are a counselor at that time, which means um, you are a counselor at that time, you wanted to be in politics, then you must resign. Yeah, exactly the point. That's why I mentioned that you want to move on to do a career change, to, then they must resign and vacate it instead of moving. Remember, counselors in some instances, they move and they've got other businesses they are running on the side. And we don't have regulations. You have regulations to say you must declare. Mm. And I say, mm. yeah, we don't have a regulation that says you can't be in business while you're a counselor. And, and that creates a problem as well because yes. you, may, you, may, you may leave. But I, I was going to suggest that maybe as youth or as youngsters, look at the solution, at the solution whereby you propose amendments of the laws sure. that will accommodate those challenges we are having. Because for me, a political party that gives a damn will say to its councillors, uh, members of parliament that... When you're done, I'm going to tell you why Gaten McKenzie. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so if a political party, I believe, gives a damn, you're going to say to your party members that you cannot represent a community that you're not living with because then what are you representing when you can't relate to their struggles? And how are you going to fix all the ish they're going through if you're not going through it yourself? Which goes back to what I always say, that it, it, it's, a, it's a shame that a lot of our politicians will not put their kids through the same health care system yeah. that an ordinary person goes through. Sure. That their kids will not go to a government school that everyone else must go to. Because if you are a leader within a community, but you don't trust the very services that you're offering your people, are you really a leader? Are you a leader? That, 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 that is a very good question. So why Gaten McKenzie? Gaten McKenzie says to all his councillors... Mm. He's got over 100 Patriotic Alliance councillors in South Africa in mm. different areas. Sure. If a resident calls you at 3 a.m. in the morning, you better write phone on board. Sure. You better answer that phone because it could be an emergency. Sure. That person voted for you. Uh -huh. When that person went to the ballot paper, they voted next to your name and they voted for the political party mm. that you represent. You cannot stand or, or, or serve a community that you don't understand the plight of that community. Absolutely. So I'm saying again, the Patriotic Alliance, because there's accountability in the Patriotic Alliance. We cannot be keeping the DA accountable and the ANC accountable, but we cannot keep our own leadership accountable. Mm. So it's very important that everybody knows that we as councillors are allowed to keep our leadership accountable and our leadership keeps us accountable. Nico. To you, yes. your, your, your politics and your thinking about development and youth in the country has been more based on the actual events, not party partisan. Yes. You haven't mentioned political party. No, I haven't. And, and she's got the solution of holding leaders of political parties and employees accountable. Yeah. In your instance, what's your view? how should it be done without political parties? And, and when you respond to that, keep in mind that this year of elections, when you'll be voting for the first time, yes. we have a situation whereby we have independent candidates. That's true. And, and what's your view in that? Because you've got an independent mind and thinking of how a government should function without mentioning political parties. Yes. But in responding, keep that in mind. I mean, okay, it's a multi-layered question, but I'll try and answer. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, to be honest with you, yes, I, I did purposefully what I've been speaking, not coming from a certain bias of a political party, because initially my thinking when I was growing up, the government was neutral. The government was supposedly supposed to help everyone, even though there is a political party, even though there is factions and whatnot. But 
government was supposed to be for the people, yes. by the people. Mm. That's what I thought. It doesn't matter which party wins, government must look after everyone. South Africa must win. Yes. yes. At the end of the day, for me, when I see the 29th of May coming up, I see it as our chance to really reclaim victory sure. as a country again. Mm. So for me, I really don't think... For, for me, it's honestly, uh, when I say, when I look at the, the, the solutions, I want a solution that can say, okay, how can we solve each and every problem, but solving it knowing that the problem is going to be solved, not just by creating policies or creating any political manifestos just to impress, just to create buzz, mm. actually solve the problem. Like she said, actually be in the streets, go and see the actual problems. Sure. So for me, it's, it's for me, that's the challenge to all the political parties and the independent candidates to mm. go look at their communities, go look at the, uh, 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 their, the struggle. their struggle of the sure. people that they're going through. It's, mm. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard to actually identify the problem. The problem is, is we don't choose to identify the problem. Sure. Yeah. So President Ramaphosa will be uh, proclaiming the election date soon. Yes. And at that point, the voters' role will close. Between now and then, there's um, an opportunity for, especially young people, to register to vote. Yes. A ton of you haven't registered. Yes, yes we've had a milestone in terms of mm -hmm. the voters' role. But a ton, like millions of young people yeah. have not registered to vote. Yeah. And chances are the opportunity to reset as a country and a continent, yeah. given how many countries are going to the ballot this year, yeah. there's an opportunity here. What do you say to young people that are still saying, I'm not interested, politics is not for me, I don't care. I'm looking forward to the holiday the day before the election. Yeah. That's all I'm looking forward to. What do you say to those young people? Um, honestly, for me, it's... We can't hide from responsibility. Sure. Um, as an adult, when you have, when you've reached eighteen, and you have that ability to actually make a change, mm. make the change, whether small, whether large, actually stand up. Because as youth, if, for instance, a celebrity were to come into the town or someone famous, mm. you'd see the excitement, you'd see the buzz, you'd see the celebration. But when it's time to solve our problems as a youth. Why don't we have that same energy? Why don't we have that same, you know, uh, optimism to say, you know what, let's go make a change. Mm. Whether small, whether large, you know, it doesn't have to be a specific change. And it has to be a change. So for me, my, my message to my fellow youth is go out there and make a change. For whatever, what you're standing for, whatever you believe in, mm. what community you, we're from, make a change. You have the opportunity to. So what do you say to them? They say to you, my grandmother has been voting for the last... 25 years yeah. and my grandmother is still struggling. She still uses a bucket to go to the bathroom. Why should I vote when it's done nothing for my grandmother? As Jardine had said, yeah. you know, people in Cape Town, not even 25 years since uh, the Freedom Charter was launched in Cape Town. She still used, and people don't know that there's bucket toilets in the center of Soweto, which is part of City of Jolene. Yes. yes. I, I would say um, the youth of South Africa needs to be interested in their future. Mm. This is our 1994. Mm. It is our 1994, not because you're black, not because you're white, not because you're Indian. It is our 1994 to free young South Africans. Mm. But President you know, from my side, just to bring them, says you are all Team Twalos. Yes. You know, and, and you are Team Twalos. What is the other name? The opposite the of the That's, that's the Yikos. Yes. Your name. <laughs> well, what are you saying about that to President Ramaphosa? You are sitting on a public media platform now that I can tell you there's ministers who watch this show mm. and what are you saying uh, both of you being you may not be upon free with few years but 
thing to know uh, whether you say to, as a response or comment to what Mr. Ramaphosa's uh, uh, metaphor. In, in fact, Joeria, you are a year older than Tintualo. <laughs> <laughs> is it a year only? I yes. thought it's three years. No, Tintualo is 30. You're 30. 30. Oh, you're 91. Are you a Tintualo? <laughs> and are you reaping the fruits of what has been planted over the last 30 years? No. Yeah. Not. What's missing? Everything. Mm. everything. It can't be that bad. No, guys, everything is messy. This country is a mess. It's yeah. rubbish. Yeah. It is a mess. There's nothing that we are reaping in this country. There is absolutely nothing. We are saying that we are free. We, we celebrate Freedom Day. We celebrate Youth Day. What is there to celebrate? Because our young brothers and sisters are killing each other on the streets. Yeah. And again, I'm saying it's not only happening in colored communities. It's happening in black communities as well. Yeah. The government of this country is black, but black people too are marginalized. Mm. What's happening in Soweto Pombo? Mm. People are sitting there without electricity now for the last 14 days. Mm. There, is a, there isn't a simple transformer to get that people's electricity restored, and it's a black community. Mm. So this country is just about eating money, borrowing money from other countries and eating money. We are bringing the Chinese into this country. We are bringing... Who oh, was it, the Guptas? It's just a complete mess. The Somalians are coming in here making 200% profit and sending it back to their countries and making our children sick with the things that they are selling. Uh, uh, actually, we are not benefiting anything in this country. Uh, as a matter of fact, talking about sending the money out, and it's probably been my last compromise site, and he's bringing something very important. You know that almost every year mm. in this country, when there's a budget speech like we had, you know, uh, some time ago, the government has been increasing the percentage of the money you can take out of the country. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a business person, they, they've been increasing year in, year out that mm. percentage. Yeah. If they were, you are allowed to take out $100,000, another is $110,000. That's what you are talking about. Yes. That is, what is your view? No, no, and this is, no, no, and this is for the record um, 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 extraditing of your money. Yes, yes. A, lot of, money. a lot of it happens in bags that are not declared, like a lot of yes. it. Yes. You, you coming from a legal background. Yes. And and she's raised an important issue about extraditing money uh, from a business. What, what is your view on that? If, if you are giving a law person to change the law of taking money outside the country instead of investing or reinvesting it in the, after making profit here, what would you do? That's a tough one. Because now we're also touching immigration laws as well mm. because of the freedom of people to be able to move the, the way they want. So in my opinion, I think the most important law is the benefit of the country. I, I, I truly believe the country has to benefit first. Mm. If you make money here and if you are willing to settle here, why can't you invest your money here? Mm. Why should money be pulled out? Mm. Because as you see with... Um, with a lot of businesses, when you invest in a certain community or in a certain spot, those people support on your business, so to say. They, they depend on your business, mm. right? There's an economic hub around your business. So now if you pull that out, for instance, let's say if you take her out, a lot of people are going to say, okay, fine, I can't go to that lady to get my grain. I have to go somewhere else. Because mm. that lady has already pulled out her product, her money, and she's going to go elsewhere to another corner. Mm. So that people of that corner don't benefit anymore. So that's not right, mm. you know, in my opinion. Yes, 
the person who sells and the person who is economically involved in that activity has a right to their money. But I believe you have to benefit. The country has to benefit first because you're making money off of that country or that particular spot that you've made or at you are correct. Okay, no, I, I, I hear you. That's a good idea. It's called the spider web doctrine, where where if money gets into a community or a society, it yes. circulates there. Yes. You're growing your own economy. You, you're growing your own economy. And I think those are good ideas, Fresh, that the, the youngsters have been up. Yeah. And, and in my view and opinion, I think what we should be looking at is, in conclusion from my side, but what, you know, what are you leaving us with to say when you leave this couch, uh-huh. And, and, and what are you going to say to the youth outside and what could be done by all citizens in conscientizing and making the youth which has been asking about you know this millions that are, can still register and vote what could be done by those who are listening to us their families your views your opinions even us as adults to can make sure that these youth wake up and decide to go and vote and participate in community and civil activities like we have taken that decision yeah. so for me what, what, what is it? Give us matching orders now. You are, you are the elected politicians and MPs. We need matching orders. What will it take to get young people involved, do you believe? That's a difficult one, eh? Sure. It's, it's very difficult. Because, because even the po- reality is that they don't want to. Because even political party celebrity endorsements don't work anymore. Mm. Young people are not interested in that. And some people are saying maybe political parties need to be on TikTok. Will, will that work? It it does work. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I get close to a million views on on my videos that I post. Oh wow! Oh, um, and those are all potential votes. Yes, it is. I would say, look, I advocate for the Patriotic Alliance. I am a member of the Patriotic Alliance in good standing. Mm. Um, there's a lot of other parties to to vote. I would tell the youth in this country to start being interested in their future. True. And this has to be our 1994 as young people. Mm. Vote for any political party. Just don't vote for the ANC and the Democratic Alliance. They've been in in this country for too long. Mm. And you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Don't don't (laughs) vote for the ANC. Don't vote for the DA. They have governed municipalities and they've messed up municipalities. Let's rather than have a coalition government where there's accountability, where we can keep each other accountable to deliver as government. Well, I mean, for me, I'd honestly say to the youth, wake up. Mm. Your future has been stolen. Like she said, our future is in our hands Mm. and it's been stolen. And how political parties can engage and grow and sort of bridge the gaps that we were talking about is just getting involved. It's not that hard. Mm. You don't have to be on TikTok or do anything extraordinary. Just be there. Be present. See the problems. Go to these towns and not just go there with cameras and news bulletins and to to take uh, excuse me, to take PR pictures. No, no, no. Be there to actually understand what is going on in my community. Actually give a damn. Actually give a damn, Uncle Fresh, because Mm -hmm. honestly, we don't... I'll speak for myself. You know, I haven't been able to come across someone in a political sphere who I can say, man, I have a problem, man. Mm -hmm. I need to do this. It always has to be in in either formally Mm -hmm. through legal departments or government departments or whatnot, or me 
marching with my fellow friends or whatever, marching outside to gain the attraction. Mm. So there has to be that comfort to say, let's talk, mm. sit down, understand my problems, and actually listen. Sure. That's my, my, my view. I don't think it's a coincidence that half of the planet is literally going to the polls this year. Mm-hmm. Half the countries yes. in the world are going to the polls this year. I think the world generally is at a cross-section, it's at an intersection, and there's an opportunity, especially by young people, to reset the status quo, uh, to reset their countries. And I'm hoping that you and your, uh, your cohort understand exactly what it means and why especially our continent might need a refresh yeah. and a reset. And I'm hoping that you guys will uh, handle the pressure accordingly. Because it starts with us, honestly, because it, it has to start with us. We can't, I can't leave it up to you, Uncle Fresh and Uncle Botswang and say, here's my future. No, sure. I have to take accountable for my future, mm. but I need the help. I mm. need the assistance. I need the guidance what? from the leaders. She has already said we stole their freedom and their happiness and their future. <laughs> so don't leave it to us. But yeah, yeah. Fresh, mm. uh, this is a very, you know, insight and eye-opening. And you can see the reason why I had suggested that you know, primarily on us celebrating one year anniversary of the show instead of having the normal politicians and political mm. office bearers here. Sure. Let us bring youth who are thin swallows, uh, who have voted, who have never been voted, and who have decided to vote. You can talk to us and talk to our viewers and listeners. But yeah, for me, uh, I, I'm looking forward to can see you on ballot papers in future when I'm old enough to can vote. But yeah, on Absolutely. my side, I'm very happy with you guys and thank you very much. Let's hope we'll see them again in future, especially after the elections. Uh, Theo, all the best with your law degree. Thank you so much. Um, wishing you all the best and, uh, you. you know, might give you work one day. Myself and Bozai are always in trouble. So. <laughs> are you going to need a legal advisor when I go to Parliament 2024? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and to you, Joaria, um, I understand why you are in politics. Uh, because you know exactly what you want, you know exactly what you don't want, and you're not afraid to express yourself. And I think we need more of that. We need more people and more voices that say, listen, I also have a voice. I also have an opinion. I have something to say. And uh, I think most importantly, I give a damn about my people. And I will be the voice for my people. Come hell or high water. So, so shout out to you. And uh, geez, don't stop, man. Thank you so much. Bye, Zani. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Fresh. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, the living room session with Uncle Botsang. We'll have another one soon if you'd like us to have a living room session with a different uh, group of people. Uh, suggest in the comments, let us know what else you'd like to see on hashtag Politrix with Botsang Muirwa. You asked for more and we delivered. Another reason why we'd never get work in Parliament. Thank you again for joining us for this special edition of Politrix with Botsang Muirwa. Coming to you from Amp Studios, downtown Johannesburg. We're part of the Africa Podcast Network. Shout out to Pezulu Works for the cinematography. All of our imaging by artist The Flow Fraser and Botsang Mudimu Wame Muilwa. Obviously, this is his living room. This is his place. Special guests today, Juwaria Kaldin and Theo Chauke. Creative producer, Kuvesh Mohan. Show producer, Kelezumudisa Geng. Email us at waw at africapodcastnetwork.com. Till next time, have a great week in spite of yourselves. <laughs>